to Muse Kids. I'm Rose. And I'm Zara. And together we're presenting this weekly podcast about what's going on in our world today. Each week we cover top stories across world news, politics, science, technology, entertainment and arts. Hello, it's Zara here. This week we'll be talking about the story that has been dominating all the news, President Trump testing positive for COVID-19. We will also be updating you on the US elections and bringing you a general update on the ongoing pandemic. We will also be talking about National Poetry Day and International Teachers Day. Our final story is about two-fifths of plants being at risk of extinction. Hello, this is Zara. Well, this week, the news hitting all the headlines is that the US President Donald Trump has tested positive for coronavirus and has been taken to a military hospital where he is receiving treatment. So far, he has received an experimental drug cocktail and the antiviral medication Remdesivir. As President Trump is 74 years old and is someone who has been categorised as obese, he is in a high-risk category for COVID-19 and the White House said that he was flown to hospital out of an abundance of caution and will be there for the next few days. The President, as we all know, often tweets and he tweeted an update on his condition saying, going well I think. Later, he also posted a video in which he thanked the doctors and nurses at the Walter Reed National Military Medical Centre and said, I came here wasn't feeling so well I'm much better now he added over the next period of a few days I guess that's the real test we'll be seeing what happens over the next couple of days he said he wanted to get back on that campaign trail President Trump's doctor Dr Conley said about the president's condition while not yet out of the woods the team remains cautiously optimistic his wife Melania Trump has also tested positive for COVID-19 and had a mild cough and a headache according to her doctor she's isolating at the White House President Trump has been criticised for his reluctance to wear a mask and was first spotted in public with one in July He's also been photographed not socially distanced from those around him during official engagements and officials have said that the process of tracking all the people that Mr Trump has been in contact with in recent days is ongoing. Lots of people have sent messages to Mr Trump to wish him well. Mr Biden wished the presidential couple a speedy recovery, saying we're all human beings and we want to make sure everybody is healthy. At the moment, President Trump is still in charge, but if he became too ill to carry out his duties, his powers would be transferred temporarily to the Vice President, Mike Pence. A lot of people are wondering what would happen with the US election, which is only a month away, if President Trump did not recover in time. The US election cannot be delayed, as it it is held by law on the Tuesday after the first Monday of November every four years. If Mr Trump was unable to stand for election, a vote would take place to elect a new presidential nominee. Hi, it's Rose here. Well, it's a bit crazy that Donald Trump has the virus. I hope he recovers quickly. Anyway, speaking of the US election, America is being gripped by the battle between President Trump, who leads the Republican Party, and Joe Biden, who would like to be president, representing the Democratic Party. Last week, there was a huge TV debate 
between Mr. Trump and Mr. Biden. But of course, the debate took place before Mr. Trump tested positive for coronavirus. It was watched by more than 65 million people. It was supposed to be for the candidates to discuss and debate their different policies and opinions to help people in America to decide who to vote for. However, the proceedings were reported to be chaotic and the Times newspaper reported that the clearest loser from the first presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden was America and called the debate an ill-tempered and at times incomprehensible squabble between two angry septuagenarians who palpably loathe each other. Gosh, it all sounds a bit crazy, doesn't it? I watched a little bit on YouTube. They were just shouting and arguing and talking over each other like children. I couldn't follow what they were trying to say. Zara, did you watch any of the debate? I agree, Rose. They were acting like children when they were meant to be mature men, both running to be the president. Can you believe that 65 million people watched them be really childish? If I was in one of their positions, I'd be really embarrassed. It was ridiculous to see adults behave that way. They both look so cross and angry. Hello, this is Zara with the latest news on the ongoing pandemic, which we would all love to be able to stop talking about, but we can't. As I mentioned earlier, even Donald Trump, the US president, and his wife have now tested positive for COVID-19. Sadly, earlier this week, the number of people worldwide who have died with COVID-19 passed the 1 million mark. The figures from John Hopkins University show that deaths in the US, Brazil and India make up nearly half of the total number of deaths. The US has the world's highest death toll, followed by Brazil and then India. The pandemic has spread to 188 countries and there are more than 32 million confirmed cases. Efforts to develop a vaccine are continuing, but the World Health Organization has warned that the number of deaths could hit 2 million before a vaccine is widely available. In the meantime, countries everywhere are trying to figure out the safest way for all of us to live with this virus around us. One of the most interesting things I read this week was about the use of dogs specially trained to detect COVID-19 being used to sniff passengers as a part of a trial at Finland's Helsinki Venter Airport. Volunteers are training a team of 15 doctors and 10 instructors for a research program being run by the University of Helsinki. The professor running the trial told Reuters news agency that the dogs can detect coronavirus in humans five days before they develop symptoms. Passengers have to wipe their necks with cloths, which are then placed in a can and put in front of the dogs to sniff. The canine test can deliver results within minutes. The trial has shown some promising results, although at the moment, passengers who take part in the trial also have to have a swab test to confirm the results. Hi, it's Lauren here. I can't believe it's now October. Did you know on the 1st of October it was National Poetry Day? This special day celebrating poetry takes place every year around the UK. National Poetry Day was founded in 1994 by the charity Forward Arts Foundation as a way to celebrate excellence in poetry and increase its audience. It provides a great opportunity to enjoy, discover and share poetry as performers, writers, listeners and readers. Do you enjoy poetry, Isa? I absolutely
absolutely love poems, Laurie, and I write a lot of them too. Sometimes when I go to bed and before I sleep, I just think of lines and lines of what I can add to whatever poem I'm writing. Please can you read us your favourite poem? Well, my favourite poem is called Topsy Turvy World by Albert Midlane. If the butterfly courted the bee and the owl the porcupine, if the churches were built in sea and three times one was nine, if the pony rode his master, if the buttercups ate the cows, if the cat had the dire disaster, to be worried, sir, by the mouse, if mamma, sir, sold the baby to a gypsy for half a crown, if a gentleman, sir, was a lady, the world would be upside down. If any of all these wonders should ever come about, I should not consider them blunders, for I should be inside out. Thank you, Alyssa. I really like that poem. I really enjoy reading the book, A Poem for Every Night of the Year. There's a different poem for every day, and there are lots of different types of poems. Long ones and short ones, sad ones and funny ones. I thought I'd read you the poem for the 3rd of October. It is written by Eleanor Thargen, and this is about the changing seasons, as it is now becoming autumn. It goes like this. Winter has a pencil for pictures clear and neat. She traces the black treetops upon a snowy sheet. But autumn has a palette and a painting brush instead and daubs the leaves for pleasure with yellow, brown and red. Hello, this is Ida. Did you know that on the 5th of October it is International Teachers Day? The purpose of the day, which has been held on the 5th of October since 1994, is to honour educators all over the world and more than hundreds of countries celebrate the day globally. Teachers are so important because they help you learn. They encourage you and teach you all about the world. This year, on International Teachers Day, the news kids have been thinking about what it has been like for teachers teaching in the middle of this pandemic. They have had to put in place plans for distance learning when countries have gone into lockdown. Now, here in the UAE, all schools are open, but students do have the option of continuing with distance learning. And so our teachers have to teach children at school and those who are continuing learning from home. How have they found it all? Rose interviewed her teacher to learn about how it has all been from a teacher's perspective. Thank you, Isa. As Isa said, I was really happy this week to have the opportunity to interview my lovely teacher, Miss Pugh who teaches me now in year four and also taught me last year during year three about what it has been like to be a teacher during the pandemic. Hello Miss Pugh, please can you tell us a bit about what the period of distance learning was like from your perspective as a teacher? As, as a teacher going through the distance learning, it was a huge learning curve. We started off under the impression that it would be for just two weeks and then we'd come back to school as normal and actually that didn't end up happening. Uh, it went on for the whole of the rest of the year. So at first it took us a while to adapt to, I guess our new way of learning and having to be creative, having to think of different ways that we can deliver lessons. Uh, we really did need to be more flexible and trying to come up with different approaches that would keep children engaged um, and also for them to make progress. What was the hardest thing and the easiest? Um, okay, the hardest thing for me, I think, was not seeing the children face to face every day. And also the parents, 
There's so many things that we take for granted, I think, in school. Having, being able to have those quick conversations with the children to make sure they've understood something and also being able to see the parents and just drop a quick message to them. So I did find that quite difficult and also being able to help the children face-to-face with their learning in anything that they might be stuck on. So it's trying to think of different ways that we can um, send messages of support, um, whether it was through video or voice note, just to really try and try and support them. I think the easiest thing for me was being able to have a cup of tea and to go to the bathroom. <laughs> um, again, things we take advantage of at the time, but no, I did quite enjoy being able to make a cup of tea whenever I fancy during the day. Thank you, Miss Few. And how does it compare to teaching in person? I think that it was quite difficult, um, especially at first, before we started doing Zooms, um, to be able to communicate effectively with children. So we were trying to think of um, different ways that we can explain things through video, through voice notes, sending message by a showbie, to be able to communicate effectively and to help the children to understand what we were asking of them. And also you miss that kind of social aspect as well, which we did get from the Zooms, which was nice. To, um, to share ideas and uh, things that we've been doing, things like that. So I think nothing compares to teaching in person and actually being in the classroom. What's it been like returning to the school? I think that returning to school has been amazing. Um, I've loved coming back and seeing all the children, getting back into the classroom and doing my job as I know it. Although there have been challenges that we've had to, that we've had to face like using face masks and social distancing, things like that. So we're trying to make sure that we can keep our day as normal as possible whilst also keeping to these new rules that we've we've got to follow. So I've really enjoyed being back at school and it's really nice that I feel we feel settled and we're looking forward to the year ahead. As a teacher, have you found any positive lessons from this period of the pandemic? Uh, yes, I have found positive lessons. I think one of the main ones would be working efficiently or even more efficiently than we would in the classroom as we've had to be very quick at getting things prepared and um, sending work out and making sure work is marked in quite, a, in quite a short space of time. So within our teams, delegating certain activities to make sure that we have completed all our tasks, that was really important. And I think another positive lesson is communication, working together as a team of teachers, sharing best practice has been really important, sharing ideas and things, and also communicating with family and friends. I think that's been a really important one and it's made me realise how much we do need our family and friends and to make sure that I take time aside as a teacher to communicate effectively with them. Um, I think that's really important. Thank you, Miss Pugh. Hi, it's Rose here again. An international report released this week said that two in five of the world's plant species are at risk of extinction as a result of the destruction of the natural world. The researchers, based at Kew Gardens in London, and who worked with a team of 210 scientists from 42 countries said that they were now in a race against time to find and identify species before they were lost. 
Their report identified plants and fungi as having key potential to be sources of medicines, fuels and foods in the future. But the report highlighted that opportunities are being lost to users, treasure chests of incredible diversity as species vanish due to habitat destruction and climate change. The director of science at KU, Professor Alexandra Antonelli, said we are living in the age of extinction. It's a very worrying picture of risk and urgent need for action. In the same week, Sir David Attenborough called on world leaders at an online United Nations conference to do more to protect nature. At the event, 65 heads of state and government, including the UK, signed a global pledge to reverse losses in the natural world by 2030. Sir David Attenborough, who is now 94 years old, said, we still have an opportunity to reverse catastrophic biodiversity loss, but time is running out. That's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed our show and thank you for listening.